Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. We are back after a Thanksgiving week from fucking hell. Yes. Not great, Bob. No, no, not great, Bob, (laughs) at all. Uh, But we're here. And in this case, I really genuinely feel like we're doing God's work um, because we have quite a bit to talk about. We're going to talk a lot. This is going to be a little bit of a therapy session. Uh, to be to be candid with you guys, we, we we all have a lot to say. We all have a lot of feelings to express. Me, Willie, and Rob will all go through that. I'm sure we'll hear from Rachel and Brian as 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 the podcast moves on too. Uh, so so we're just gonna dive right in. Um, we went zero and three. <laughs> this was this was this was as bad as it could have possibly gone. Uh, because of everything worked out as every turn went poorly. Um, and and, so, and let, wait, let, let's do a, a quick, let's keep ourselves honest. Which of us predicted 0 and 3? No one. No one. No. One. <laughs> no I predicted 3 and 0. I was like, we're going to figure it out. And I yeah. stand by it. If we figured out the Iowa State game, it was going to happen. Big if. Good juju would have broke right. And it didn't. <laughs> none, of the ju- none of the juju broke right. There's a lot of reasons for that. We can, we can, I mean, look, I can make this an excuse podcast. I can, I can layer out all the excuses for why everything went fucking horribly this weekend, but I'm not going to, it'll probably come up in conversation, but I'm not going to sit here and lay everything out. Here's what happened. We go in to play Iowa state. Um, We do the thing that we've seen to make a habit of so far in the early go this season, surrender a massive fucking every game because, because, because we can't play defense to save our fucking life. And so after after playing like shit on defense, we also can't score on offense and we're sitting in this it, we're sitting in this in this absolute hellhole of of a turn of events where we get down 15 16 points to Iowa State who is too good to let that happen to. Now, we do come back and we push it to overtime. But the problem wasn't that. <laughs> we, like, like, yes, when you go and you play up in somebody's grill and you force turnovers and you foul a lot and you create a lot of havoc and whatever, it's not a consistent way to replicate playing basketball. But, yeah, you'll climb back into some games occasionally um, with good enough athletes. That's what happened. You lose to Iowa State. Team was down. We saw players were on Twitter responding to things, whatever, like which no one should do. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't even want to do it. And I there, have there's, like, there's no there's no upside coming. There's from no that. upside yeah. to that. Advice to any advice to anyone who listens and, and any one of the team's parents who listen to Twitter or listen to the podcast, tell your kids to stay off Twitter. There's just like there's there's literally no positive energy like yeah. ever coming from yeah. Twitter. And, and you can sit there and say, well, the people on Twitter should behave themselves. I'm like. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, you, they should, but never sure, gonna sure. fucking happen. It's, it's right. Like happen. so so there you go. So so you lose Thursday. The Juju's absolutely awful. We get Portland, who is hot off of almost upsetting UNC and and coming close to that. And they absolutely run rough shot off over us. We get absolutely punked versus Portland. Then you draw Oregon, 
again. So now you got Oregon, who's down players and whatever. So we're playing Portland in Portland and Oregon in Portland on Sunday. And um, I mean, candidly, we just come out flat, like as all hell, have to climb back into another game. And again, we do. And then as soon as we do, like the gas pedal lets off and we give up basically 10 unanswered points to end that game. So, so, so this is where we're at. We are two and five, right? Like call a spade a spade. We are two and five. Our best win of the season is a 13 point win at home, which in which we did not cover versus LaSalle. Our only other win is a 10 point win versus Ken Palm, like 3 million Delaware state. That's, that's, that's the resume, right? <laughs> you could point to, and we will, we could point to like, Oh, these losses might not end up being so bad. And this, that, and the other thing, and we could do all the resume math that you want, but the reality of the situation is as it stands is that we are in a really dire situation here, like period, because yes, the committee takes into account that players who weren't there are, 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 you know, come back and they will look more strongly at your resume after they come back and all of that noise, but they can't assume losses would have been wins. And so as a result, our, we are what we are, right? Our metrics are bad. Our Ken Palm has dropped from 24 to start the season or whatever to like 53 or whatever it is. Oh, you think we're 53 still? 56? I don't know. You tell me. Well, whatever it is, it's overrating us. Like yes. that okay, is it's 56. Yeah. Like I'm shocked we're anywhere in below 100. That's so, I mean, I understand how Kempom works, but that's so, crazy. So, so you got so our Kempom which is going to start to feed the net, right? The net has no good resume wins in there. So, all of this plays out like you have to fight all of those headwinds to potentially have a chance. And and candidly, where the fan base is at right now, accurately, is we really don't have a chance, right? And I will argue, and we'll get into this later on the podcast as we talk through things, that there's a path. But right now, it's hard to see the team, like, all of a sudden starting to play better. And that even includes Whitmore maybe coming back. News is that he's coming back very soon or imminently. Um, and And... Justin coming back in January, which was the the latest news from Dickie V today. So I, I, I that's where we are, guys. Let's have a chat. <laughs> we, I have just, I have a like six words, seven words. I'm not doing the math on it. On um, that summarizes the last seven games of the season, the three games over Portland. We do not know how to win. It's that simple. There is everything, and it comes to focus, it comes to discipline, it comes to, I, I, I can't even say talent, because the reason we get back into the games is because we're more talented, and we might focus for six minutes at a time, but we don't know how to win. If we look at every single loss that we've had, outside of Portland, Portland's the only loss where they really just kind of slapped us around, which was kind of absurd that Portland did that to us, but every other win... It came down to we started off slow. We don't know how to start to a fa- we don't know how to get off to a fast start. We pull back in in the second half. We start flat in the second half because we don't know how to start games fast and or start halves fast and finish strong. We fight back because that's what we've done, and we get down to the last four minutes of the game, and 
we make the play or we don't make the play, but then we don't know how to win. We look at Michigan State. Kyle drew up kind of a crappy play for Dixon at the end. We look at Iowa State. We got to overtime. In overtime, we made some personnel decisions that were eh. And then Iowa State pulled ahead in overtime. Caleb gets trapped in the corner, throws a dumb pass. Things that we don't, you don't know how to win about. We get to the Oregon game, which was the biggest one, I think, because we hit the shot. Pausen hit the shot to give us a three-point lead. And immediately, you could see us tense up, get super excited, and not know what the hell to do. We don't know how to win. And it doesn't matter if Cam comes back, if Justin comes back. If we can't figure that out as a cohesive unit, it'll be fun watching players develop, but we will be chilling on March 20th. Is Rob struggling with his uh, internet here? I've got some audio issues happening on my end. I hope you guys didn't have to uh, hear what I heard. Just heard a lot of a lot of music blasting in my ear from some pop-up. Whoever designed some of these websites, fuck. I don't hear it, Rob. So yeah, we can't good. hear anything. Good. <laughs> well, that's fortunate for you guys and fortunate for our listeners because I just got absolutely blasted in my ears. So anyway, I've closed all of those windows. So now I have no stats in front of me. So we're just going to wing it, but I'm not really a stats guy to start. So it is what it is. <laughs> Look, here's what it is at the end of the day. From a fan perspective, is there anything positive that you're taking from this past week? Not really. Brendan Housen. I was going to get to it. I was going to get to it. I was going to get to it. Like, you know, he's my guy at this point. Like, I'm on the housing train. Like, I was on the housing train early, and now I'm just all on the housing train. But but is there is there anything really positive that you take from these past three games? I think the short answer is not really. For a lot of the reasons that Willie just articulated and Chris just articulated, we've got problems offensively. We've got problems defensively. And I think one of the biggest things that we've talked about on this podcast is this two underlying assumptions that I think have proven to be pretty false at this point. One was that the the floor of this team was actually pretty high, even without Justin Moore and without Cam, based on the assertion that this was a Final Four team and we're bringing back a lot of players from that Final Four team and adding some new pieces and great recruits. And while that is true factually, what I think we really overlooked, which in hindsight was absolute insanity, was that this team, as it's currently constructed, is missing the three best players on that Final Four team, probably the two most vocal leaders in Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels, and the three top guys who could actually create their own shot and generate some offense. So. Yes, there are a bunch of players who played on that Final Four team and played an important role on that Final Four team. That's not to diminish what Eric contributed, what Slater contributed, certainly what Caleb contributed last year. But they were not, we talked about the Alpha Dogs, they were not necessarily the Alpha Dogs driving that team. And the fact that we have removed Colin and Justin and Jermaine from that team is a significant, significant downgrade and has clearly dropped the floor. This team, as we've talked about already on the last podcast, lacks a clear playmaker who is able to generate the offense, who is able to have the ball in his hands, be able to settle this team down and create. We want to see Mark do that. Mark isn't quite there yet, but still, I'm very much on the Mark train. This team also lacks the killer shooting that 
the previous teams have had and that we've come to rely on so clearly. Brendan Housen, I think, is showing pretty clearly, with the exception of the Portland game, is showing pretty clearly he can step into that role and is absolutely ready to step into that role and shows just kind of a killer mindset from my perspective when he gets into the game. So anyway, that's kind of the first premise that I think is, has actually been kind of shot down. And I think that's a little bit on us for understating. It's it's actually kind of crazy to think about, right? We just spent, we just, Chris, I, I know we, spent, we're both raising our, <laughs> yeah, Chris, we, we spent the past like three years, basically talking about how great and how important Colin and Jermaine were. And we were, we've been huge Colin fans for, for the long time to go back and listen, like the, the track records there. But honestly, I, I think maybe we just got kind of tired about talking about his greatness for so long. And we're just like, okay, he's gone. Like a new breed coming in. Like it's easy to replicate. It's not. And that's what we're feeling right now. And the second thing that I think is, um, you know, we've been assuming all along is Justin and Cam are right around the corner. And it's clear that, there's no evidence to say that they're they're right around the corner. Now we've got Dickie V coming out today saying, oh, Cam's coming soon. He's coming soon. I'm like, all right, sure. Whatever Dickie V knows, it's fine. Um, and Justin, I don't know. We we put a lot of stock in, hey, Justin's coming back early. I know I was the first one to say he's absolutely playing in December. Granted, we're not even into December yet. But we're still assuming that both of those guys come back and are able to contribute meaningfully to this team. And I think as I'm trying to reset my expectations, Assuming that Justin Moore is coming back 75%, 80% of what he was last year, I think is a little bit of a fool's errand. I hope I'm absolutely wrong, but I think if the fan base is putting their stock in that, they're setting themselves up to be disappointed. Cam, I, have, I, I don't know. I hope he comes back soon. And look, if he's anything as advertised, he's absolutely going to be partially that, that playmaker that we need and some of that, that killer mindset that we need. And hopefully it opens things up. But I think those are just two big things that I think we've kind of, we're like fundamentally underpinning our whole premise for this season that haven't really proven out. I don't know. Chris had a hand up. Willie had a hand up. I'm going to let Willie go first. Yeah. And I nerd out for one second here. Yeah. So you were talking about Colin Germain um, and Justin missing. And I wanted to do something and I was like, well, what were the win shares? Win shares is an estimate of how many, how many wins. No, don't do win shares, Billy. (laughs) Billy, don't do win shares. (laughs) And I was like, what were were the win shares? It's essentially like, how many wins is this player responsible for over the season? We won 30 games last year. Between Colin, Justin, and Jermaine, they were responsible for 16 of those wins. I'm giving estimates. So if we subtract that, the roster we have, was responsible for 14 of those wins. There's a bunch of like actual other things that go into it, but we're dealing with a 14-win roster right now. Let's say you add in what Cam can give us. What Let's say Justin comes back at 75% of what he's given us and Mark does whatever. We're still tracking at about an 18-win team. We just didn't look at that. Like yeah, We, didn't we just didn't think but about you that. Assume- so here's one of the things. So so let me go into this player development. I want to get into player development. Oh yeah, because long, because this is going to lead into a this is going to lead into a yeah, we, we we're going to talk as long as we fucking can. <laughs> um, but like we're gonna we're, like I want to talk through this a little bit because I want to go back to Rob. You said accurately that we were on Colin early, right? Like very early on, we were like, "Yup, Jay is correct to play this kid," right? Like we like put our necks out there on this podcast 
and said Jay was right. Because early on in his career, after 18, everyone 18 was like, oh, he's nice as the eighth guy, seventh, eighth guy on this absolutely insane team. He was like this year's Brendan Hawson, right? Like, like where just throw him in a little bit. He does some things on defense. He'll, he'll drill a few lollipop threes, and that's nice. And then 19, he was, like, starting. And people were like, whoa, wait a second here. We got these recruits coming in. Why is why is this happening? And people were all up on that. And that was a conversation that was being had across the Nova Nation in a big way. We stuck by him the whole entire time. I agree with you that towards the end of his career, we took the All-American thing for granted because he had just been here for so long and we want to talk about the other parts of the team. One person that we talked about a lot and gave a lot of crap to, um, but we're, we're supportive broadly, like rooted for him very strongly, but gave a lot of crap to was Jermaine Samuels. And I think that this team is missing the guy who makes winning play after winning play, grabbing that rebound that no one else is close to because Eric Dixon, the way we play defense is on the three point line guarding a guy, right? Like, and that guy was Jermaine Samuels. When Dixon went down, he played yeah. the five. Played the five. He, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and, and by the way, bodied Adama Sanogo in the Big East tournament, right? Yeah. Like, and we just didn't fully appreciate Jermaine Samuels yeah. during during that time because we were just like, well, we didn't see him in the box score. And we're like, we knew that he contributed in ways that wouldn't that would impact the game that wasn't necessarily showing up in the box score. I don't think we appreciated just how significant that was. When Willie talks about this team does not know how to win, the, the player that I thought of most of was actually Jermaine, right? Like Jermaine was willing to be humble enough to just do whatever the fuck it took to win and didn't give a shit that all everyone wanted to talk about was Colin Gillespie. Yeah. I, I don't want to get too much into this whole like culture, like do whatever it takes. Cause no, I don't, I don't, no, I don't no, buy but, that but, too. But, I don't buy that too much. But, and I also don't want to do, I also don't want to make this about like a, a Colin Gillespie podcast. Cause we've had plenty of those podcasts. So yeah. we'll move off. This no, I'm, I'm but, 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 but what I, what I do want to say is, and what I do want to add is Colin Gillespie cracked as a freshman as an unheralded freshman cracked the roster of a team that sent five people to the nba that's wild that's absolutely wild so the fact that we we overlooked his departure that's that's absolutely honest but anyway he's the, the sixth on that team yeah. yeah like it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy like but but anyway let, let's keep beating that point to death I, I think let's let's get off of let's get but, off of Colin. But, spent, but hold yeah. but hold on the point that i was spinning towards was was one of the comments that we've had over the past few years, um, and Rob, we've been on this for a long time, is questions on player development. Like when it came time for tournament time, like last year we even said on the podcast, like, well, we're only going to play six guys, so fuck it, this is the team that we're rolling with, so we're going to yeah. ride or die with these guys. Okay, what I think we're realizing right now is that, like, and I don't want to, like, whatever, he's a Hall of Famer, like, he doesn't care, he doesn't listen to this, but like... <laughs> We, we got left with, candidly, we got left with a player development fucking disaster because I think we all assumed that those guys Slater, um, Eric's played great, and, but he can't do as much as he's doing. And that's not a fault to him. It's just the team's relying on him too much. But yeah. Slater, um, Daniels, and like Jordan Longino, 
etc. All Nana and Joku, Trey Patterson, all these guys are unable to like like especially the guys on the lower side yeah. aren't able to even contribute. They yeah. can't even contribute yeah. to this team. Yeah, like, and I don't know. I don't know if that's. I don't know how much. I think part of that is 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 on player development. Maybe part of that is like, look, I don't know. Maybe there's some like recruiting misses in there because there just seems to be a pretty clear track record of you either you either crack the roster, as, you crack the rotation as like a freshman sophomore, or like your ceiling ends up to be like ah, it's like a pretty good role player. And, and that kind of goes back to our earlier debate about like, hey, are you waiting for Slater to be an absolute killer? I'm not waiting for Slater to be a killler because like I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a track record. And I think he's one who falls into that camp of. Hey, look, it took a few years for you to crack the roster and you crack the roster now, but like you're not you're not giving us that killer versus like Colin cracked the roster somehow as a freshman and he was like an absolute killer, right? So like I don't know how that plays out, but I think your your point is well taken. Like we could spend days on player development. I think we should spend some more time on it. It's like it's it's a travesty right now. Like yeah. the fact that you've got look, not to knock not to knock the guys on the team, but like these are all like everybody on this team was like a heralded recruit coming out of high school like there's talent on this team so something something's missing something happened along the way whether it was jay like just being like hey fuck it like i'm riding my guys like i don't know if he knew he was going out or what it, it, it doesn't matter something fell down along the way that these guys weren't ready to come in and contribute when given the opportunity and i think that absolutely falls on on jay like 100 percent, full stop most other programs in the country, granted, didn't have the level of success that we did the past few years, but also have been able to cycle people in. And, like, they bring in a freshman, and that freshman's able to contribute pretty quickly. Like, everybody's recruiting broadly, like, the same pool of players, and they're managing to get them in. And we, for some reason, are not. And then when they leave, and it's like, hey, we need you guys to step up. They're not ready for it because they didn't get the play time. They get the thing of the development. Here we are. Rob, 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 100%. But forget even freshmen. Trey Patterson's been here for two years already. He came early. He came Crazy. early. Crazy. He's been here for two years. He's been here for two years. I'm not hating on Trey. This is yeah. not about this is no, not about Trey. Yeah, let's, it's let's, not about the individual very, players. Let's be very, no, let's yeah. be very it's clear. It's not about the individual clear. players at all. Yeah. These guys can't contribute. It's on the because, staff. Because, because guess what? While, while Jay was riding Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels and those guys into the ground into the Final Four last year, which I would never get back. Period. End of story. Like yep. never give him. You'll never give a final four away. Never trade a final four away. Right. But like while Jay was riding those guys into the absolute fucking ground. Right. Like all those all those other guys. Like even including Slater. Well, like Slater, Patterson, and Joku, um, Longino, who was hurt during NCAA's and realistically probably would have played for the team during the NCAA's. But all of those guys weren't out there forced into a position to make winning plays. They did not like. Sure, they were developing in practice, but I'm sorry. Willie's point is so spot on about this team does not know how to win because this team never was put in a position to have to win games for us because Jay just took it out of their hands. Jay was literally just like, "No, I don't trust you yeah. for whatever reason," right? And said and said, "No, guys, you don't know how to win. Watch these guys know how to win." But yep. guess what? Sometimes you have to like get into that situation, lose deal with whatever, and then you learn it by basically going through it. These guys did not have to do it. Again, Trey Patterson has been on campus for two years. He cannot see the floor. That is an indictment of our player development. And we always talk 100%. about wonderful player development, etc. Trey Patterson is a heralded recruit. He's 6'8". He's long. He's gotten his body into shape. 
He's been with the program. He's watched successful players. He's done everything that the attitude culture says you're supposed to do in these circumstances or whatever. And he cannot see the floor on a team that is two and five. That's best winners versus LaSalle at home. That is fucking crazy. Absolutely I think, crazy. And I, I think as we look at this, it's like, I mean, Trey's honestly the perfect example of everything that's wrong with this. I think there's a level of also like what you said, I think was perfect. Jay didn't trust them to win and rightfully not rightfully so but rightfully so in the way that it got us a final four and Colin Gillespie is one of the best college basketball players in the last five years like Jermaine Samuels one of the most unheralded like glue guy x-factor whatever the hell you want to call him amazing showed up in the hugest moments most outstanding player in the final four they knew how to win Justin knows how to win Justin's not here okay but what we're looking at is the team that we have right now you talked about people not developing into killers. I think Eric is a killer. I think Eric is a killer who's just plays. He shouldn't be the number one right now yeah. because he's not there yet, but he could easily be a 2B, 2A. But right now he has to be 1AB, 1 and 8, 1AB. I think Caleb is a great number three. Probably shouldn't be your 1B in the way that he's being used right now. I think Caleb's fucking amazing. And I think when Justin comes back, we will see Caleb take an extra leap forward. What's interesting to us is like we are putting it in a the way that a player development has happened is we are putting our hands behind our back where we are stagnating a Trey Patterson, a Nananjoku for two, maybe three seasons. And then once they're ready, we're not asking them to fill a role. We're asking them, like Slater, to be a yep. killer. Yep. We're asking yep. them to do something that maybe yep. like because I think Slater is a very good player. Slater just might not be the guy to be the number three team on a two seed in the Big East or in the Big East tournament. Like that's just might, might that's not what he is. It, and and Willie, pause you on there. Slater's another good example of this. Slater's a guy who couldn't see the fucking floor because of this player development thing for a, until a year and a half ago. Didn't yeah. even play meaningful minutes on the team until it finally became clear that Daniels had myocarditis and Swider could not play defense, which took somebody, Jay Wright, fucking a year and a half to figure out. Yeah. And what I do want to do is the only thing I'm going to give him credit for right now, because I have some issues with how Kyle's made his decision-making, is, okay, we don't know how to win, and this is the result of it, but what Kyle's doing is he's not shying away from it. He is putting Mark out there. He's put Brendan out there. He's put Angelo out there. Nana and Trey a little bit less. But at least these this freshman crop, he is now showing them, and they're still they're learning on the job what it takes to win. We're not winning because they're not there yet and they don't have yeah. the experience in tight light game situations. But my hope is in two, three years, because Angelo, Brendan, and Mark are getting this, we'll be in a better spot. But this is what in the meantime, we're in this two and five situation. Because we don't have, we just don't know how to close out games. We don't know how to win. We don't know how to start games. We don't know how to finish games. We don't know how to start halves. We don't know how to defend at a timely manner. This is what we're left with. So I'm on the stage of like, it's player development. And if Cam and Justin come back and are 80% and are able to, we're able to have, if we're, if we're, if I am watching a Big East semifinal game on Saturday and we're playing in it, as of right now, I'm like, you know what? We we turned the season around. Yeah. And I said Saturday on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you are you already at that point where it's like, hey, 
you know, the, the, the expectations have been dramatically altered for, for this team. Yeah, I think I was I was definitely there last week in terms of I think I started the season thinking we could be a top five seed. I wasn't really bullish on top mm, three. Mm. I, after the first couple of games, I was like, maybe this is a top six, seven seed. Yeah. I'm now on the like just the way position we put ourselves in, like barring Justin and Cam coming and we've like run the table in the Big East, which yeah, yeah. seems beyond unlikely. This is a nine ten, like likely an eleven, assuming we get yeah. in. Like that's at assuming best. we even at get best. in, and that's at, at best. best, and that's because of like I get it, Cam. Oh, we're waiting for Cam and Justin. I completely get it, and yes, we are, but we're not waiting for them in a vacuum. These yeah. losses affect it's our mad. resume. It's yeah, These, and right. so like every game they're not here makes it tougher to win long term. And once again, we could they could both show up, and it's like oh, this still doesn't work with both of them, and then we're just kind of like. All right, well, this is it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Willie, do you have a strong feeling about the uh, 7 p.m. Madison Square Garden Big East second seed game? Because this podcast has mentioned dozens of times how much they prefer that. I don't know if you're on board with that. I'm honestly a fan of like later. Give me the late game. I think it's late as it goes. Yeah. 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 Is that the latest one? I thought there was a 9.30. Yeah, I thought there was a 9.30. That's what I like the most because I like being out on a Friday night and like looking up at the bar and being like, oh, shit, we're still playing. And then just like a Pac-12 game. <laughs> yeah, Pac-12 after dark. That's what I want to say. Hawaii football. Right. Um, so, so I, I, Willie, you brought up Kyle. Obviously, we've we spent this last few minutes killing Jay, right? Like, and a lot of people are going to be like, how are you killing the coach who's not the coach of the team? Right. Like, and so and so fair. There's been a lot of fucking talk uh, on the Twitter, BU Hoops Fear, Villanova fan commenting areas in general on the job Kyle Neptune's done or not done um, so far this season. So let's let's we get let's let's dig into that a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about like what's what specifically is plaguing this team, but let's talk about Kyle because we we're, we've been talking about player development, coaching talking about some of the position that Jay left us in here, um, which like goes back to what Rob's premise was, was building off a of final four, great people, whatever. And we're like, okay, now we, we were just unwinding that, but now we're here in this situation and we're two and five. And Willie, you brought up an interesting point. One, one thing that you could give Kyle credit for is that he is reaching deeper into that bench. I agree. I, I mean, one thing that I'm a hundred percent certain of is that, Kyle plays the freshman, plays the younger guys way more liberally than than Jay ever would. Jay would be yep. riding Chris Archie Diacono 35, 40 minutes every single game, no debate. And and a guy like a Mark Armstrong or a Brizzy or whoever, Housen, wouldn't see the floor. Like the fact that Neptune is willing to put Housen out there when we and and basically it's a fold on defense because he basically plays zone every time some of those guys are in in there, which is essentially just a, a a vote of no confidence by the coach because like, you can't execute our defense period. So we have to go zone as a result, as a result of that. Um, but whatever, it's not like we're good on man anyway. So who gives yeah, a shit? Right. But like, okay. So like there is literal noise out there being like, Kyle's not the guy cup bait as soon as the season's over, like, fuck it. Like, like whatever. I just want to call this out. I obviously wrote a big thread on it on Twitter um, yesterday or whatever. That's, 
a fucking insane thought, right? Like that is absolutely insane. Let's first talk about it on the merits. We are seven games in to a team that is clearly injured. All the reasons that we just said, the coach left abruptly at the end of the season. He got a call on a Tuesday and was uh, the head coach on Thursday, right? So like, so like in April, right? So this guy has had very little time um, realistically to get into the group. And a lot of the noise out of the program was it felt normal because Jay spent time in the way of the summer. We don't have to rehash all of that, but I think we got lulled into this, right? Like yeah. Kyle Neptune has not had a long time with this team, right? So that's one, two, um, two, like we go back to the point on the playing minutes and whatever. I, I struggle to find a, I struggle to find like the lineup choices that Jay would have made. Like we could talk X's and O's, but I struggle to find the lineup choices that, that, that Kyle's made that would have produced better or different results than, than what, than what Kyle has because of the limitations. Right. So that's, so that's, that's two on the merits three. We are seven games into a coaching career, right? Yeah. Like, 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 like just like, this is a guy who was an assistant on two national championships, several big East championships, countless wins across the program was in charge of recruiting player development in some situations, played spent time as a video coordinator. He has plenty of, of coaching experience and high level coaching experience and did a good job at Fordham. Right. So like, so like, Let's just lay out the facts there. There is no world in which any, any school, let alone Villanova, and let's get into that in just a second, but let alone Villanova, like, fires their coach after one year, absent some type of major scandal, right? So, like, so like that's one. Two, Villanova. Villanova is not going to move on from coaches quickly. If you pay attention to what Villanova has done, Across all sports, candidly, you think of how long Harry Peretta um, was the coach at Villanova women's team. You think of you think of how long Andy Talley was the head coach of the football team. Lapis got the better part of a decade. Roly Massimino was around for 20 years before he bolted to UNLV because it just got uncomfortable on the main line. And and Jay, as wonderful and Hall of Famer as he is, was granted three years of NIT teams before he got before he played a singular game in the NCAA tournament. Now he took over from Lapa's program was in a worse candid position than, than that, but like granted three years, someone posted on Twitter today, Jay Wright lost 53 games before he coached a single game for Villanova um, in the NCAA tournament. I thought that was a great stat. So, so, so Villanova is not going to move on quickly from a coach. It's not how we do that. We've had like 10 coaches, 12 coaches maximum in the whole entire pantheon of a hundred plus years of Villanova basketball. And we've had exactly four in 50 years. Okay. So it is not going to happen. It is not going to. So my ask to you guys is you're going to have to wait this out for no less than three to four years. So you, you better stop that narrative. I don't want to lecture fans. I get why you're pissed. Like we've articulated, but that concept and that like line of discussion is so stupid and so pointless that you're wasting your breath. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair. I think there's a, a lot of fair points in there. I think you know one thing that if I'm a if I'm a casual fan, I probably am asking the question. Well, you know what is what is Jay's record right now with this team? And 
I think my answer, my my initial reaction to that would be, well, he probably wins the Oregon game, so he's probably got at least one more win. Yeah, I agree. With does that. does he does he win against Portland? I don't know, but does he, does he beat Iowa State? We only needed two more points. Maybe he does pull out another win, which does like the issue is it changes the narrative, right? Like obviously you play different teams if that shakes out, but assuming there are two more wins. You know, your record is what are we four and four and three? Like it's a, it's a different conversation, right? So like it's still very much a down year. So I think the headline then is look, even with the Jay Wright coach team, you're looking at a down year in terms of performance relative to historical norms because of all the reasons that we just articulated, because of the player development problems, because of the fact that we lost all these players because of the fact that we're still waiting on Justin and Cam to come back. So don't think that Jay Wright is going to run the table and be 7-0 and at this point. I really don't think he would be. I think we'd be having a lot of similar, candidly pretty similar discussions at this point. And the other thing, too, is other programs have down years, too. Like, Villanova is not immune to this. Like, you look back at some great programs and some great coaches, like, they do have down years. Like, Calipari in the... COVID shortened season was very below 500. Like there are down years and like that just happens as players come and go in the programs. And yes, we've had a, a blessing of, you know, basically a decade of, of sustained excellence after our one downturn, but like things naturally ebb and flow. And this seems to be one of our ebbs or one of our flows. I don't know which, what means what, but like, you've got to, you've got to kind of deal with that as a fan. Like anybody who's been a fan of any team for any length of time knows that it's not all glory all of the time. Like Chris, you're a Yankees fan. The Yankees have down years as much as you don't like to admit it. Right. Like it's, it it just happens, right. That's part of being a fan. So you've got to kind of deal with that. Kyle doesn't deserve all the blame. Does he deserve some of the blame? Yeah, for sure. He's the head coach. Of course he deserves some of the blame. Absolutely. Like, is Jay Wright, would Jay Wright have been the solve? No, he, he absolutely would not have been the solve. So like, I don't think we're trying to like fool anybody, but I think it's also, it's just kind of like realizing where we are. And I don't, I don't know, go, like go fucking along for the journey a little bit. Like Kyle's learning on the fly. Like, is like my perspective is if he gets some of these young guys on the floor and we see some player development and we see people getting a chance, we've been clamoring for that on this podcast. Cause frankly, I think it's fun to see people grow and, and get the team get better over time. Yeah, it's going to be rough. But you know what the last time was? You know what the last time that we had a, a huge downturn, what came out of it? Well, Ryan Archidiacono and Daniel Sheflu started like essentially Villanova, I don't know, 3.0 or whatever you want to count it and started kind of like the modern culture of that. But that was a turning point and it started at a really dark time. And at that point, people were calling for Jay's head, right? And look, he had built a little track record, so he got cut some slack there. But if we go through a dark period this year, like, it can be okay. Like the world is not falling. Like just because you have a down year and we're not saying it's it's like, it's totally washed off. Like we could see a lot of positive signs this year. So just give everybody a chance, like take a deep breath, still be pissed. Like I want to see people win too, but like also be realistic. And like, I don't know, all these guys are fucking trying their best too. Like, oh, fuck it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Willie, one quick thing here. Just to be a hundred percent clear. We are not here to carry water for for Kyle Neptune, right? Like, 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 I make this one hundred percent clear. You should criticize if there's one person that deserves criticism in a basketball like organization, 
it's the head coach, especially at the college level. Especially he's the, the only guy. He, yeah. He's the only guy who is making mul- multiple millions of dollars to to do this job. The assistant coaches get paid like fucking shit, right? Like the 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 players who are starting to get paid a little bit, but no one on Villanova is getting paid particularly well, right? Yeah. Like, like so so like the the person to criticize is Kyle Neptune, right? Like. I get that. This is not me carrying water for him at all. This is me just saying, I am not, I am reserving judgment, like on a broader scale of like coaching decisions, like until I see a lot more, like a lot more before, before I will like reach a judgment on if Kyle's the guy or not the guy, right? Like, so that, that's kind of my point here is that, is that I've seen some people who have been like in Kyle, we trust. I'm like, no, that's fucking stupid too, because, yeah. because of all the reasons that we've seen so far is two and five, right? Like, right? like I, I, I just think the, 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 the position, the accurate position on Kyle right now is like mad about maybe certain things, but overall kind of neutral because it's just too early. Chris, you're asking for nuance. Yeah, the general population yeah. doesn't yeah. do nuance. I know. Nuance, like, is a- nuance in sports, especially. Woo. That's not a thing. Willie. Kyle hasn't – there's a difference between trust and patience. Kyle has not earned our trust. Right? Mm. And that's not a criticism of him, but that is just he has been a Villanova coach, the head coach, for seven years. And the trust that we had at the beginning of the year because of what he's what he had for the decade before is kind of gone in a two-and-five start. Yes. He needs to grow that. But he has earned our patience. And that patience is not just for this year. That patience is this year, next year. Year three, I think, is where you're kind of like, all right, what's going on? If if we're two and five, two year seasons from now, I, I'm I'm I am I'm with the pitchforks with you, completely. Yeah, I'm with I'm with 100. Yes. Let's go, let's go. I'm I'm right there. <laughs> but the way that modern ba- college basketball has worked, we just lost we just lost to a team, Iowa State, that two years ago went two and 22. They won two, a major team won yeah. two games. The, with the transfer portal, with the way that things happen, we will be looking at a different Villanova team two year, next year. I, I would put cold, hard cash on the line that there will be transfers out and in next year, more and more likely in than out um, from a Villanova standpoint. We're going to be looking at different teams. Kyle's going to get hit older players. We're looking at different things. And what I think I'm trying to get here is everything is – going to kind of change over time and i think people look back at the last decade and think that's normal and like i think we have to take a step back and contextualize the fact that in a nine-year period we were only less than a top five seed once and if we go to 10 year period, it's twice. Yeah. Like we went on an all time run. And I'm not saying that the all time run excuses, excuses two and five. That yeah. doesn't. But there's a lot of people who have the expectations of, like, not for nothing. We were like, oh, and I just said it earlier on the podcast. Oh, I came in expecting at worst like a five seed. That's a top 25 team in the country. That is one of the top 10% of college basketball teams. That's kind of insane to think that every year for a decade, we were in the top 10%. 
yes, we were a top 10, we are a top 10% brand, but like you alluded to, Kentucky's had bad years. Duke's had bad years. We didn't have a bad year for 10 seasons. We made the tournament every year since 2013. I'm not missing one. Yeah, no, every year we made the tournament. COVID. COVID and, yeah, and then COVID. On a and we would have been a three seed that year. That would have been a three seed and was picking up steam. Right. Like, so we've, every year there's been a tournament, we've been there and we've been doing extremely well. So there's this, I, the rose colored glasses have been removed very quickly from people. And we, I think we kept the rose colored glasses on because Jay left and we took them off for a second. And then Kyle kept everything running the exact same for the entire summer. And I think we're kind of like, oh, shit. Okay, this might be a little bit different. I don't think anyone's expecting a J level. But we thought the ship would keep moving. And as we've seen, there were holes in the roster. There is holes in Kyle's ability to, how do I want to word it, execute at the end of games. I'm just going to put it like that simply. And I like I'm not getting into like the practices or anything like that. I'm sure Kyle's a great in practice coach. I know the players respect him, but we are seeing there are holes that we did not we weren't aware of because of the rose colored glasses. The the to just to touch on Colin and Jermaine for a quick second, you we mentioned this in our group chat earlier in the week. Colin and Jermaine covered up a lot of shit. Yeah, they covered up a lot of shit. Jay covered up a lot of shit in terms of like on the court, and we're seeing that happen now. And Kyle is sorting through it and sifting through it. And frankly, I think as ugly as it is and as like individual moments, I think he's making wrong decisions overall is doing it as best as you can handle the situation as a, yeah. on, on a whole, on an individual level, like I have individual issues with plays and things that have happened, but as a whole, he's letting the freshman play and we're figuring it out. And this is the result. That will pay dividends. And, now, and, yep. I think we all thought we're going to talk about the expectations where I think we all thought enough veteran leadership to carry us for the first few games. Freshmen are going to get more time. That's going to pay dividends on the road. We could be like 10 deep, right? Like, right. Like yeah. towards the end of the year. Yeah. And we're going to be picking up a ton of fucking steam and watch the fuck out, which there's still a narrow path for that to happen, but it's extremely narrow. Um, but let's talk about this season, right? Like people want to know, Chris, Rob, Willie, it's it's you're the guys of the full 40, right? Like there's gonna it could be a maximum of 40 games this season. It's November 28th. It's oh, it's right. It's it's November 28th. Please tell us, please, for the love of God, tell us what is going on with this team and how do we fix it <laughs> right like right like because because i am not ready right like me being a fan right like i am not ready to just say fork's done with this team move on to 2023 because that's easy to do in february or january that's a lot harder to do in november right so like let's just talk that right like let's let that be the next element of conversation is where do we go from here this season, right? Like, obviously, a lot starts with Cam Whitmore coming back. A lot starts with Justin Moore coming back. But let's just talk about the team as currently constructed. What can be done right now to fix this team? What is Kyle? What is the schematically going wrong, et cetera? So I want to talk about defense in particular. Offensively, 
our Ken Palm, now some of it is waiting from prior year, et cetera, yada, 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 all that. But like offensively, we're 22 from like an offensive efficiency standpoint right now. I think if you just look this year at isolation, it's probably, it's got to be worse. But you're 22 in terms of offensive efficiency. You're like 100 plus in terms of defensive efficiency. So let's just start at defense. Like what is going wrong on the defensive end? So first off, to the point that Willie made, Kyle was keeping everything the same. We are playing principally a switching defense, right? We are switching one through five all the way through. This is the full-blown, full high level of difficulty switching defense that, that, that Kyle is deploying, that Jay has deployed over the years. These guys are not executing the switches. <laughs> Even the veterans are not doing it, right? Like, so forget the freshmen aren't figuring out the fret the 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 um the juniors and the seniors and the sophomores are not communicating well enough on the court to appropriately switch. So these guys are getting lost in the switching defense, leaving three-point shooters wide open. Yep, and we are giving open. up career nights to like everybody. Um, Walk-ons yeah. on Oregon. Like. Yeah, yeah. Walk-ons on Oregon just absolutely torching us from deep, right? That is, like, critical. Two, one thing that I've been seeing over the last few games, Portland included, which you wouldn't expect off a mid-major team, we're getting assaulted on the glass, absolutely yeah. demolished on the on the glass. Um, so no second possession in an offensive – on the offensive end. And – and on the defensive end, giving up tons of them. So, yeah, if you give someone a minute to score, <laughs> they're going to probably score. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so you're giving up a ton of, a ton of extra possessions, a ton of extra shots, like percentages wise, you're just giving teams more at bats to score more points. So, so w- what can be done? One thing that I was, I was candidly, I don't want to name drop here, but I was texting with Daniel Sheffu about this. I don't want to take, I don't want to take credit from the point. But he was like, I think I would stop. I think he he, he kind of said, what if we stopped? Um, what if we stopped uh, having Dixon? No, not switching altogether because I don't think you can unwind a full switching defense. But one wrinkle that you could have is stop the switch at the top of the key where Dixon um, picks up the one in the pick and roll. Um, and, and then you leave a very weak because all of our point guards are young and and not as body ready, a very weak point guard to defend the post. And then, and then they create, they run a lot of different act. The other team is running a ton of different action, getting three point shooters open, or we're just getting absolutely fucking murdered underneath. And, and Dixon is guarding the three point line. Um, well, when enough, when, when the shot goes up and we have to make a rebound. So keep Dixon home on the PNR. And 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 have them and have him drop into uh, coverage there and 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 deal with the consequences of that. I think that r- little wrinkle, that little idea, I think makes actually a lot of sense. Um, I've been like, that's my solve. Yes. It's I was maybe going to go as far as saying stop switching everything, but realistically, I think we have the players and the bodies to switch. At worst, one to three. And two through and two through four, we can and two through four. Yeah, it's where the mismatch happens is what you've called out. If we stop, or what Dio called that called out. If we stop doing that, in theory, what you've now put in is on a pick and pop situation. You're putting Brizzy up against Sonogo, but Sonogo's on perimeter. If Sonogo wants to take a three, or any center wants to start taking threes, if they're hitting those, 
I whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta. If deal with you that. like, there's pick and roll things that you'd have to figure out on you know like who's tagging, who's staying back, like how that works and how Dixon handles all that. You can figure that out. I think that's realistically one of the things that needs to happen. I think we need to make our responsibilities a little bit simpler where like I'm probably like when I imagined a non-switching defense, I imagined like you were putting Slater at the point of attack because everything we've said about Slater, Slater's an incredible point of attack defender. We put Slater there. I just, without getting too into the X's and O's, switching is one thing. And then I think you met, you align, you went back to something that we really haven't done. And I don't know if it's just because of youth or um, like lack of execution and maybe like Longino's knee injury, which we haven't really spoke about, which like, I don't, oh, oh. we don't know. We don't know if that's going to, we'll, we'll see. But is we're also not giving, we're not really one to two pressing anymore. And the way that Jay did it in the past when we had the full rosters was that one to two press wasn't to turn the ball over, but it was to take the shot clock from 35 or now or 30 seconds. And they're now initiating their offense at 20 seconds in terms of giving them a full minute. If we're able to one to two press and get through that effectively, they have 20 seconds to execute. What we've seen is we've pressed and we've gotten sliced when it, when it has happened. And I think there's uh, a little bit to go there, but. I'm in the. I think something needs to change with the switching defense, and I mean, DL's a better basketball mind than I am, so like, I, I think mean, that makes. sense. I was going to say, you guys are are so far above my level at this point. I was lost a few minutes ago, so I'm going to give. I'm going to give the the back. take on on what needs to happen here. Play the answer. <laughs> the answer is what I alluded to earlier. I need more Brendan Housen in my life, but no. It, it, <laughs> it, it, in all seriousness. What this team, one of the biggest things that this team lacks relative to years past is a dead-eye sharpshooter. Brendan Housen has come in with an absolutely killer mindset. He basically got no playing time for the first couple games. He gets a couple minutes of run, and where it was in game three, comes in, boom, ball hits his hand, ball goes up, ball goes in the hoop. He knows his role. His role is to shoot three-pointers. He knows he's not good at defense. Everybody knows he's not good at defense. But as we just articulated, the whole team's not good at defense at this point anyway. Getting Brendan Housen more minutes makes sense. He has a very specific, very clear role to play on this team, and he fills a very specific hole. I want to see more Housen because he is absolutely ready to take this team fucking over. And I think if he gets the playing time, He's going to absolutely earn it. And you're going to be talking like nonstop about Brendan Housen by the end of the year and come next year, maybe shores up his defense a little bit. Hopefully he's got a little bit more lateral movement than, uh, than our favorite Cole Swider. And like, he just carves out an awesome spot in, in Villanova history. So that to <laughs> I me just is. Have to say something. Yeah. The yeah. question was, how do we fix our defense? And your oh, response was, was more offense. More offense. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Actually, more offense. though, our it, offense sucks. There is an element there. There is an element our of truth sucks. there. Because because we're giving up rebounds, long rebounds often, like, and, and yeah. getting killed in transition. You're killed everywhere. Right? Gets it up the one, two, two press if you don't score a basket. Right? Like, so so there does there, there's some of that there too. Um look, I think on the defensive end, I, I really do do think that keep keeping Dixon down low more and keeping him home a little bit more, I think we'll just, I think we'll make a lot of things easier. And I think it'll improve the rebounding because you're, you're not having Dixon trying to rebound from the three point line. Right. Like that's, 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 that's number one, right? Like 
number two, um, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Neptune right now, I'm telling these guys, like, like guys don't stop hedging, stop second guessing. If there's a guy who's open on the three point line, like, and he gets the ball, like you got to get out there, right? Like you got to get out there. Like you just, sorry, you need more effort on, on that front. Like I, I, like I, I hate criticizing guys effort because generally I think the players in this program, Neptune, obviously during Jay's era, but even in this era, I, I think they're playing hard. I don't think that there's like a, I don't think there's like a lack of, hard playing i think they're playing never say that yeah yeah i think they're playing stupid uh (laughs) i don't think they're playing i don't think they're not playing hard um and they're certainly not playing together we're going through all the tenets um of of villanova basketball but but in truth be told i I, like these guys just got to get out and and run down three-point shooters off the uh, off the line like it's crazy how many like oregon Six guys, mostly walk-ons, shooting wide open jumpers the whole entire game. <laughs> like, how do you expect to win a game like that? This is high-level D1 we, basketball. We wrote it off in the last podcast of like, oh, it was the scout. It was the scout on whoever the fuck we're playing Temple or whatever. It was Michigan, well, Michigan State. State. Michigan State. And it was. Oh, and it was. And it was. But it's like, it can't be the scout for every fucking game. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's absolute right. insanity. It's right. Quincy Garriers was weird, uh, Oregon's because like he yeah he shot thirty percent, but he's a good shooter. I want to get back to something that Chris you mentioned earlier, and just in general, we talked about rebounding. The hope, and once again, this is getting we're putting a lot of hope on Justin and Cam, but the hope is Cam's natural athleticism. We're looking at another five to six rebounds. Cam is great at crashing the glass, and yeah. I'm hoping. That adds there. Justin with average five rebounds a game last year. Like, hopefully adding him, like, Achilles, we'll see how it is. But, like, hopefully that starts to pull some of it back in. But we're just in this situation where, like, we're – Dixon has never been, like, absurdly elite rebounder. I don't – he's more of, like, a space – like, he's, like, I would almost call, like, an area rebounder where he, like, gets it in his space. On on the defensive end, offensively, he's a fucking amazing offensive rebounder. But – I don't know. We have to. Yeah. Whitmore adds a ton. On the yeah. Rebounding. I, I, I want to build on this because we know everybody knows we're, we're big fans of Slim Dicks on this podcast. And and you could look at you could look at Slim the past couple games. And be like, oh, it's a little bit off. I think like. Eric Dixon is having a phenomenal season. So like no matter what stats you're looking at, you should look at Eric Dixon and be like, this guy is absolutely getting it done. Like he's still living up to expectations. I think why you may be seeing a, like a little bit of slip if you're going to nitpick the past couple games is because we're asking him to do so much. Like bringing in a cam, bringing in Justin will lessen the burden on him, will allow him to get back to taking those clean three-point looks, which we love, and he was making very efficiently to start this year. We and are using him as a movement shooter. We are yeah, using him like, like he's Kyle Corbett. It's crazy. I agree. Like it's it's nuts. Like he's he is so talented and we we talked about it on this podcast, like towards the end of last year, about like, oh, how much is he going to develop this year? And we talked about it at the beginning of this year, like, oh, we're so excited for his development. But what we're asking him to do right now is ahead of his development timeline. Basically, what we're asking him to do right now is be where we'd love him to be next year, where he's like, he's added a whole nother skill set, and even then some, like. It, honestly, we're, if he's if he's able to execute what we've been asking him to do right now, he should be in the NBA. We are asking him to be Colin, Jermaine, and himself yeah. from last yeah. year. That's what we're asking him to do. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, if he was able to carry us, he, he'd be he'd be in the draft next next year. And like I, I don't I don't think he will because because we're asking too much. Like he can do a lot, but not quite as much as we're asking right. him to do right now. And that shouldn't be the expectation. Right. So so I do want to turn a little bit on the offensive side. There is one thing that I feel like this oh, team does. We weren't does. talking about offense. Give me more offense, please, please. There is one thing that I think the defense with more offense. (laughs) My answer. There is one thing that I do think this team does need to do, Um, and there's signs of it when certain personnel are in. Um, But but candidly, I just don't think it happens enough, and it only happens in like the last ten minutes of games. Uh, We have to we have to get out in transition, right? Like we need like get a rebound, get into get. What is that? Can you? What is this term you use? (laughs) <laughs> not sure what that means anymore. get this team one of the things that i did see positive this weekend was that in the half court i did feel like arch was trying to contribute on the offensive end and not just like playing four on five it didn't just it didn't result in improved it, it, it didn't result in wins but, yeah. but i thought i saw him doing it right like so like there was that like the, it was cute that we got to have the conversation about like the arch brizzy um armstrong minutes conversation a week ago like i want to go back to that time that was a great problem to fucking have but in all seriousness like Arch was fine in half courts, but like, but like this team needs to transition. Like Armstrong's on the floor. Even Brizzy's pretty quick himself, right? Like Housen, he's not the fastest guy, but like, but like these guys want to get out and run. When Cam Whitmore comes back, this guy is a guy who will literally go up on the glass, get you a rebound that you don't expect, run full fucking speed down the court, and absolutely throw a thunderous duck down. Like if we try and play tempo 350 slow half court offense like we are going to eliminate some of the best parts of what cam whitmore is right like like i get playing tempo slow when you are really down your high level players because you need to limit the other team's possessions right to in order to stay in games but but in this situation right like when with armstrong on this team when whitmore comes back we and candidly Slater's been there the whole entire time as a transition guy, right? Like this team needs to get out and run. And I don't mean they need to run all the time. They don't need to turn into St. John's overnight, but they need to turn into opportunistic transition offense, get a long rebound, outlet to a streaking Armstrong and get him so fast up and at the so get fast. him up and at the rim. Like it just need things like that need to happen very quickly, which will open up trailer three-point shooters for Daniels and all those other things. I want to throw something out there you said, and I don't think I realized I kind of believed it until now. You said we don't need to be St. John's. Do we need to be St. John's? (laughs) Is playing more helter-skelter fast, like flying around on defense, exactly what this team needs to be doing, where it's less thinking and it's less commitment to the tenants that we've done and it's a little bit more loose and flying around and moving quicker. Like I know you said we don't need to be St. John's, but like I I think if you let Armstrong take more gambles on defense, he's gonna miss a lot more, but he's gonna get a lot and he's gonna get in transition. I think if we start running a little bit more, like we're gonna make some mistakes, but there's gonna be things there. I get Dixon isn't the most up and down player on the court. So there's perhaps something you can do ideally in a fully healthy roster where, you know, Dixon on the bench and you're doing this, but at this stage, we're two and five. So we got to shake it up somehow. Right. Right. 
look, I, I would say I would just have some principles there because this team has practiced a certain way, <laughs> and that's yeah, how they, of course. and, that, and yeah. this is how they're what they're used to. But I do think that, like, yeah, incorporating elements where, based on the personnel you have on the court, based on the personnel the other team has on the court, getting out and run is just gonna is just going to help create some flow. <laughs> like this team lacks flow, no flow, so, uh, none, and so and so it'll and, just help create some chemistry. And that's where that's what we're getting at is like, how do we make flow? And clearly, this rigid half court offense where we're just not, it's either Dixon bails us out or we're taking a contested mid-range jumper and like Caleb's really good at that and Jordan Longino's good like really good in the mid-range and we're figuring it out but like where do we find our flow where do we find where basketball is simple quick and easy which is what Villanova basketball is supposed to be if we really think about it Villanova basketball is about making the right play but making it quick easy and simple what one of those three are we doing right now? Doesn't seem to be a lot of them. Sure. Like none of it. And so yeah. I would almost be like, like find our flow, whatever it may be, and just do that. Yeah. These are high-level basketball players. They should we, be able to pick it we up. Lack a, we lack a creator in the half court. And until we get one back, and again, as we talked about, banking on Justin coming back at X percent or Cam coming back, whenever he's going to come back, like we need something in the interim. Yeah. So let's let's get creative. The the entire way this offense and the way see when Villanova has the talent to execute in the half court and do everything that we want, whether it's backing guys down to the post, shooting threes with reckless abandon, like getting to the foul line, etc. And that's being done and executed by high level players who are confident and whatever. Like it's just and it's just endless mojo when it doesn't happen. And we even saw on last year's team. They would go through 10-minute stretches where we couldn't score a bucket. You remember that game versus UCLA? You remember that game versus yeah. Purdue? Baylor? <laughs> you remember this? Like <laughs> when it goes bad, when the Villanova basketball wow. doesn't, when it when it doesn't go right, when it's bad, it is so fucking bad because it lacks <laughs> it lacks so, it lacks all mojo. It lacks all kind of excitement. It gets disconnected. It just turns into one-on-one nonsense. And it's just not it's it's it goes from the prettiest basketball you can imagine to like the ugliest basketball. I, there was a tweet last week from I think it was one of the Yukon guys, and it was like Mr. Hotballs or whatever. Okay. It was like Vill- <laughs> Villanova is a German sports car that like when it's running, it's fucking amazing. But if something goes wrong with it, it is totaled. And <laughs> that's what that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. It's the second straight podcast where Mr. Hotballs has told us more about ourselves than we <laughs> do it. Yeah. But 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 okay. So like let's just say that the, that 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 we get some of these changes, well, whatever other changes that Kyle might have up his sleeve, and we get starting to get better. Right? Like, what does better look like in the context of this season? Like, like like just laying that all out. Like the next game is Oklahoma. We'll get into a little preview on that in a little bit. But like next game is Oklahoma. After Oklahoma, you got Penn at the Pavilion. You got BC in Newark, and you have at St. Joe's. Um, and then you have the Big East play starting, and you have St. John's at home. I think it's like December twenty first, if my memory serves me right. Um, and then after that, it's UConn at XL and last game of calendar year 2022 is Marquette at home on New Year's Eve. So let's just start there. What, what, 
what does this team getting better and changing the trajectory even how does what's the anatomy of a of a of a rebirth here in this in this early young season? There's two <laughs> Rob trains. is like Rob is like abortion. <laughs> yeah. uh, two Ooh. trains of thought. Um, one is getting Cam Whitmore back. That's where it starts. Not that he solves everything, but I don't know how good this team is without him inserted back into it. Like I don't like we don't beat. I'm fine saying that. I don't think we can beat Oklahoma without it. I think we can beat Penn, BC, St. Joe's potentially without him. So the first thing I think is getting Cam back. I'm not even talking to Justin right now. I'm thinking about in this first of how do we win December? How do we come out of December? Seven games, four and three, five and two. How do we do that? Cam is the first step of that. Number two is what everything we've alluded playing whatever it looks like, simple flowing offense, probably running a little bit more. And the anatomy of that, I think we're starting to build right now, which is the good thing. It's depending on Hazen, depending on Armstrong, Brizzy to a lesser extent, and letting them find the limits of their game and continue to push that. It's going to be messy. At times, but I don't see how we can improve without the delta is on them. Dixon's doing everything he can do. We're already seeing Slater's doing whatever he can do. And Caleb, even though they're not operating at full efficiency, they're doing everything that they can do. The delta is Brizzy, Armstrong, Hazen improving and maybe Longino coming back and maybe something from Trey or Nana every other game. Yeah. But that, the the big delta is on those three. And it's a lot of pressure to put on them. But we don't get better in the next 10 or six, seven games without our freshmen growing and getting better. That's just I what think, it is. I think that's really well said. Like, And I think that's good expectation. So we kind of alluded to that in some of the other podcasts. Like expecting Brandon Slater to add another five points a game or expecting Caleb to add another five points a game or even Dixon. Like it, it's just not going to happen. Like those guys are those guys are doing what they're going to do and maybe they'll do it a little bit more efficiently going forward. But like what you see is kind of what you get in my mind with those guys. So William, I'm totally on board with what you said. I think, I think it all makes sense. Like, you know, if I, if I take a view of hindsight, like, look, if we had, if we had cam, you know, are we getting two more wins from the past few games? Yeah. But, think we are absolutely we had we're two baskets games away completely yeah we're literally like one or two baskets away like that's we're at least two more wins for sure um so as i look at the calendar like you know i don't know maybe cam's not back for oklahoma but then let's assume he's back i've got penn i've got bc i've got st joe's like maybe we rattle those off um you know with cam i feel i feel better i, I do feel better about this team like period like he is if he is as advertised He's an absolute difference maker. You don't you don't get to be a top five projected NBA pick if you can't come in and just absolutely slaughter Penn and BC and St. Joe's. Like right. St. Joe's fielded, no offense if he listens, which I'm sure he doesn't, but like St. Joe's fielded Ryan fucking Daly last year. Like that dude like belongs at the YMCA. Like Cam Whitmore is going to see him on the floor 
and just absolutely crush him. Obviously, he's, he's not there anymore, but you get my point. Like, we should be able to rattle off those three, and St. John's is, whew, I mean, St. John's is St. John's, like, always, always athletic, as Chris likes to point out. But maybe you pick that one up too. You're not going to beat Marquette. Or you're not going to beat Connecticut. That's for sure. No, you're not, you're not, no, no. You're not be, we're not we're beating not, UConn. We're not, we're not beating UConn. You can chuck that one up. As well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I think, I think UConn's loss. I think there's a chance for us to rattle off four after that. If, if Cam is back, if Cam is not back, I'm changing that prediction period. Um, and then I think Marquette's, you know, we'll see how things go, but, Ideally, things are gelling at that point. So, you know, is there a world in which we get out of December with a one, two, three, four, five, and two record? I think it's possible, but it absolutely requires Cam to come back and to be an impact player and to get back quickly. And this and the team to get better around him too. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, like, so 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 I guess that's my question. Seven and seven going into the new year. Like you're three games into your conference season, seven and seven, like doable for this squad. It's doable. I think yeah. it's, it's doable. Yeah. I think it's doable. Right. Like, but it's like, predicated on, on this other stuff. It's predicated on Cam coming back. It's predicated on the fact that Willie said, like some of the freshmen are stepping up and contributing more. If those things don't happen, we're not getting to seven and seven. Yeah. So you get set. Let's just say, let's just use that as like, okay, how do we rebuild this season? Seven and seven right? is the goal. That's the goal. You get to seven and seven, right? And you are three games into your conference season. That means you have 17 games left in the regular season calendar, right? So, so of which we know that you're going to have Creighton in there. You're going to have UConn in there, both of which are top 10 teams. Um, you got Xavier who looks every bit, even though they haven't gotten the wins that they wanted. They, to me, look like a four to six seed type team. Like I, I, I'm a believer in Sean Miller's Xavier team here in the early go. Right. Like the big East, the bottom is Georgetown. That's a fucking disgrace. But like other than that is like kind of middling. This is not a high end big East season. Like you have a couple of elite teams or potentially elite teams um, who could go deep, who could make deep runs in UConn and, 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 and Creighton. And then you have, you, you have a bunch of teams that can kind of play various degrees of the middle ground. St. John's probably on the high end of that. Um, and you know, maybe a team like a DePaul or a Butler on the lower end of that, right? Like, so, so that's kind of the, that's kind of like the unit that you have in the big East. Is there a pathway? So let's say you get to seven and seven. Is there a path to 20 wins before the big East conference, um, tournament tips off? Because if you're at 20 wins, you assume you're probably picking up, um, you go 13 and 7. Uh, sorry. That means with the remaining games left, you're going 10 and no, 13 and 4. Do I have that right? Yeah. You're going 13 and 4 in your remaining game. Is there a path to that? Is there a path to 20 wins for this game? Assuming Whitmore's back and Rob's thing, assuming Moore is back mid January, is there a path to, and mind you, after. We do play Creighton. Uh, we do play UConn early, but then we don't get Creighton until February, right. and we don't get UConn until again until the last game of the regular season. Is there a pathway there? Four losses seems like a big ask. Starting in January, that seems like a really yeah. big ask. I mean, I agree. I'm, but I'm just asking: Is there a path? No. Okay, that's I a question. I said we couldn't drop anything at home. 
if we like you couldn't drop i'm looking at it right now assuming let's say we're able to beat every team we're supposed to beat georgetown DePaul, the butlers let's even say we beat sorry uh or let's say yeah we beat them on the road and we split like games that were on the like we'd have to sweep out we'd have to win out at home that's just the way it goes and split like so what you have to beat xavier Creighton or UConn, one of them at home. And in this situation, we already counted UConn at home as a loss. So No, UConn is at UConn. Or sorry, at, on, on the road. So we had to beat them at their home is what I meant. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you have to take one at Sintas or you have to take yeah. one in, um, at in Cent- Century CenturyLink. Link. Yeah, whatever yeah. it's called now. Um, without that, I just... It's and a then, full run the table at home, and then you have to beat every bad team on the road, and that includes Marquette, which we always suck playing there. Yeah, it includes Butler, just, which we always suck playing there. Like you, you have to go. You have to basically pitch a perfect game um, for what your for what your level is. I, honestly, it's can we get to eighteen and win two in the Big East? That's that's, our, that's, that's what I was that's what I was thinking. That yeah. is, can you do eleven and can you do eleven and five or eleven and six? Eleven and would be, six. Yeah, yeah. And eleven and six. The rest of the East. Yeah, that's. That's the that's the path to like and giving the committee. Point. Yeah, that's the that's the path to giving the committee something to think about. Right, because then you're trending up. So you get to seven, you get to seven and seven by the end of the year, and then you go eleven and six, and you win two in the Big East with an upward trend. And you yeah. say we're we were two and six, two and five, whatever, without these guys, right? Like yeah, and like these and like guys. the committee with the, the the committee. We've gone over this before. I'll say it one more time. The committee does not say you lost games or so you you would win games that you lost but the committee does look and say you weren't complete this is not the team that's entering the ncaa tournament or potentially entering the ncaa tournament so we can weight things a little more heavily and give benefit of the doubt typically though my understanding is that they don't like to do that for placement in the tournament they like to do that for seeding in the tournament so that's the that's the one wrinkle there um to think about but this is what i'm just trying to lay out for the some of the fans like and i'm actually talking a little bit more to like the super happy-go-lucky fans who are like you guys are so are so wusses like like you guys are wussies like this team i'm laughing all the way to the bank and i'm going to remind you of this when we're in the NCAA tournament like okay fine but just understand that like you're asking this team not easy to, to, to be kind of perfect, right? Like for the rest of this season. And so it's important to lay that out. Now, I think the easiest path for this team will be to get a lot better as the season goes on, a lot better as the season goes on and be the, the team that's super fucking dangerous entering MSG in March because all of a sudden now you've had two months of Justin Moore and Cam Whitmore back for three months and the team's got some mojo and some energy about it and knows they need to go out and, and win their way into the big dance. That I think is a little bit easier of a, of a conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once again, ever, like I know we looked at it, like we spoke about, we predicted the temple loss. We kind of poo pooed the Michigan state loss. We lost, <laughs> lost three in a row, but every single one of those losses just makes the big East that much more difficult and harder for us. And, that's why, like, for any of the happy-go-lucky fans, like, yeah, uh, like even even absent, even absent, how we've looked on the court, right? Yeah. Like, like Rob likes to say about this. Rob likes to say this to me, like Chris. Yes, 
I, Chris, he loves to point out, Chris, you should, you can math your way to 20 wins for the yeah. season. <laughs> like, but like, is the team actually going to play better? <laughs> the math is getting harder. Right, <laughs> like, right, regardless right. of how it looks, even, the math even is if, even if the team plays better, the math is really hard to math. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that is the, um, that is the big issue. Okay. Oh, all right. I feel like we've talked a lot of this out. I think we should do a, a, a quick award session because it's not going to be very long. Go past the fucking ball award that we goes to everybody. Um, okay. To the Villanova men's basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> Villanova men's basketball team, candidly the entire fan base, myself included. Like, like I'm willing to give the past the fucking ball award to just Villanova in general. Everybody gets it. Everyone gets the past the fucking ball award. Um, the alpha dog of the week and the Shaq fit woman player. Two, two weeks week. in a row. Yeah, two weeks in a row is is obviously Maddie Segrist, who just scored a two thousand point. That gets the that gets the Shaq fit woman play of the uh, of the week, and Pretty she's good. the alpha dog of the week. Um, she is currently, if I'm not mistaken, the leading scorer in women's college basketball. I believe that is an act. I believe that's a real stat that exists. Rachel, that you are Willie. You've you've confirmed this. That uh, she she is leading scorer in women or in women's college basketball. Like the what? whole thing. I think she's projected to get drafted too, right? Oh yeah, she'll definitely get drafted. She'll be like a top ten pick for sure. I also, I also met Maddie. I met Maddie like Willie. I met Maddie like moments after I met you in in New Orleans. Yeah, and she was the nicest fucking person on planet Earth. Um, At least that's my recollection. Well, being absolutely obliterated. I I was gonna say memories. Memories were probably a little bit skewed at that point, but sure. Chris, I guarantee you that Maddie probably couldn't wait to get away from you. <laughs> that's 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 the truth of most people, though. That so does check. So. It's just not very nice, though. For being honest, I mean the truth the truth isn't doesn't have to be nice, you know. And let the record show, Maddie's like I mean, Shelly Pennyfather is the all time leading scorer of all Villanova basketball players. She's now Maddie's what now like four hundred and change away from it. Like yeah. we're. If there's something we're watching for, it's the women's basketball team and Maddie Sievers becoming the greatest scorer in the history of Villanova basketball, men or women's. Like, yes. She's def- she's definitely going to pass Carrie Kittles for men. Like, she's like 200 points away for that. At the rate she's going, that's like seven games away from her. <laughs> like, she's averaging like nearly 30 a game. That's like seven <laughs> yeah. games away for her. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Pretty I awesome. will say that Maddie will be my alpha dog of the week she's my alpha dog of the season until somebody takes it from her it doesn't have to be a guy it doesn't have to be someone from the men's team it could be someone from the women's team but like someone needs to come out here and impress the hell out of me for her to be dethroned because so far as you guys have talked to at length there's not a whole lot going on on the men's side the women are <laughs> also six and one are you not impressed by a, a 13 point win versus LaSalle being our best winner so far this season <laughs> I mean listen it if that's what's keeping us in like the top 60 on Ken Palm sure I'll take it <laughs> if that's what's doing it for us right now great I'm so happy for us um but yeah I think if Villanova fans, and I made this point on Twitter, and it was, as Chris likes to call them, a banger on my personal Twitter account. It literally went off. I have no idea why. But if you are so upset at Villanova basketball on the men's side, if like you just literally can't take it anymore, might I offer a simple solution? And Brian, don't ask for the TV schedule. Okay. 
like the solution really here is watch the women. They're how, really good. How can we watch them? <laughs> On your TV, Brian. Interesting. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Oh, oh sports, God. baby. You got a lot of the sports. games are on ESPN and ESPN Plus. So not that I'm trying to plug league. my employer, but just get a Disney Plus account, Brian, and then you can get ESPN too. It's fine. That's yeah, cool. you can have the whole bundle. You can have watch some Andor. Watch some DCOMs. Uh, watch some Andor. Andor is good. Andor's I don't good know what that is. My God, stop. All right. Anyway, that's all. I I like. I'm a little mad because Chris has kind of stolen. I mean, he's been on the Maddie train, but he's like kind of stolen my. My my mantle. Whoa! What I think fuck? stolen, embraced. We are. Whoa! 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 <laughs> but I like it. I Fine, like it. You I know like what? It. We we won't we won't promote Maddie anymore. We can, we can go the other. <laughs> no, way. no, no. I'm not saying. This, not saying. This don't goes do both that. ways. I'm not saying don't do that. Um, I just generally don't adopt Chris's views because I think he's wrong. Um, <laughs> Jesus! Yeah. Nice to be open-minded. I am getting. Oh, really? We're really annihilated. trying here. We're really I'm getting. Trying. I'm getting absolutely fucking annihilated by Rachel tonight. Rachel's nah. basically being like she wanted to get away from you. Like, like, dude. I'm no, you left yourself <laughs> open for the first one. You oh, left yourself man. open. Oh man, I'm just like a married guy with a kid. Like, I'm not that. Like, you <laughs> trying know, to make ends meet. <laughs> I was just trying to get her on the podcast, which she agreed to, but I'd probably to get away from me. But yeah, <laughs> have you followed up? Um, I, we've, we've DM'd, um, but I don't, I don't, we have a policy of not, um, we have a policy of not having people who are currently players of Villanova on the podcast. Well, speaking of which the other hottest, you know, I know we're taking a bit of a turn here, but the other hottest thing in town that you could possibly do is if you want to be like Colin Gillespie, you could follow us on Instagram. Oh, that's true. Because Colin Gillespie did follow us on Instagram. Um, may have been by mistake, but he did it. Doesn't matter. And he can't he take it back. The message, a DM that we sent. So that means he's not going to unfollow us, I would assume. <laughs> Must be. He's stuck. <laughs> yeah. Can't unfollow us. It's done. Uh, All right. Um, Willie, what do you got for us from an Oklahoma standpoint? Like, uh, how do we win this fucking game? Yeah. So Oklahoma's pretty deep. Uh, they're running like eight, nine deep of people who are actually like contributing and scoring. Um, they have a transfer from Nevada, Grant Sherfield, um, very good, um, like ball handler score. He's, he's just a high level bucket getter, um, shutting him down with the key. They have a couple of other players in the Groves twins, both Tanner and Jacob. You might remember them from two years ago in the tournament. They were at Eastern Washington when Eastern Washington gave, I believe, Kansas all they could handle. Um, they're both there now. They're um both like centers um jake uh tanner's the better one tanner can both can hit the three jacob's a little bit more of a like he's a center but he also plays on the wing a little a little bit um but but both very versatile and then it's just like a bunch of like smart role players who know their uh know their place they have a transfer from virginia tech by or by from gw by way of virginia tech and joe uh, Bama Seal, who actually I think was on the floor when Virginia Tech beat us in the tournament in t- the November tournament, uh, or it wasn't the tournament, but you know, COVID was a whole mess when we played them around COVID. He was in uh, Mohegan Sun, yeah, in Mohegan Sun, he was there. Um, so he's been a, a he's like kind of been underperforming, but still a really good player. But re- realistically, it's Grant Sherfield that does everything for them, and they have another ki- uh, kid, Jalen Hill, but he's been kind of less. Yes, less utilized than I think he should be or would be, but 
realistically shut Brand Sherfield done down. Don't give up open threes to like a random ass player. Like there's I don't know who it is. I'm gonna pick what's this kid's uh, name. Jalen Hill has is a twenty point five percent three point shooter. So I guarantee that he'll go he, off for like yeah. fifty points in this game. So. Exactly. Jalen Hill is the one that's gonna kill us. Um from three. So figure that figure that out. Um but it's a good team. Porter Moser is a great coach. Last year they were picked to do a little bit um, to kind of like surprise people. And they really like they started hot and then couldn't figure it out, figure it out. This is kind of the opposite where they lost the Sam Houston State first game of the year. And people are like, uh oh. And now they've kind of ripped off six wins in a row. So you're facing like a pretty like hot team that's beaten a decent Seton Hall team that beat a Mississippi team, which is actually pretty good. Um, so and one of the best mid-majors in UN or one of the upper class mid-majors in UNC Wilmington. So it's a solid squad. Um, I, I mean, we, we, if we do everything we've outlined and we don't give up 17 points to start the second half, I feel pretty good about our chances of like being there with the chance to win at the end. But as we've also seen, we've done that regardless and we're two and five. So. Killer. Boomer sooner, baby. It's at the Wells Fargo Center. It is. So, first Wells Fargo Center of the game, I think we have to take into account that students getting drunk on the first game on Saturday afternoon accounts for at least three or four points. So, that's But there might not be anyone else in the stands to see a two and five team. <laughs> True. I, I Other than like Brian. First game, I feel like first game, we'll, first game we'll get a good crowd, and then we'll be done from there. But the first game, they already have their tickets. The buses have been booked. The kegs have been bought. People will be there. All right. Party in, party in D4. That is how we do it. Brian, how are we looking on time? This is a long one. We're like an hour 45. So if you stuck with us this whole time, you probably need to get some real therapy. <laughs> Done with our smoking. Better out. crushed so this true. So true. Oh, God. man. All right, uh, guys, is there Pretty any home. other burning things that you guys got in your head um, nah. from this past week? Or do you feel like you got it out a little bit? Got it out. Feel good. I feel what good. about Rick Pitino? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't talk about what does uh, the poor donors and, and oh, potentially, hiring, about the donors. potentially hiring Rick Pitino. We didn't, we didn't talk about that. Those are two. Uh, considerations that were um, that I were hope brought the up on Twitter. Don't take back that new building on Lancaster. Really yeah, nice. yeah. I heard that they're actually going to tear it down and say, "No, we want our money back, and we're knocking this building down." Yeah, they're going to liquidate the stone. Yeah, that's right. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> selling selling it back to a quarry. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, this oh, is just some of the God. fucking insanity that goes on in Twitter. That just came from one Twitter account by its own. Um, but that's 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 what it is. Someone saying Rick Patino is the only person that can save us now, as if Rick Patino is ever going to get hired by Philadelphia. Yeah, that that's chalk that up to absolutely if Rick fucking Pitino no way. Even gets interviewed by Villanova. I will eat a boot live on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will cook and eat a boot. Amazing. Well, 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 you didn't specify the type of interview. If I just go interview him, does that count? You know, <laughs> if yeah, he, if he you get march... an interview with Rick Patino, I'll eat a boot. Too. Yeah, also that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if you can get Rick Patino on the pod, we will eat boots with him on yeah, the 100%. pod. 
I think maybe we should we should try that. Right? I am. I, I am. Some I, you, you don't understand how much motivation you've given me to do this. Like, hey, Rick, I see you got a one week off in the schedule. Can you come on the Villanova podcast? He's so random. He might. He might. He just. <laughs> this guy he just, just went might. and coached in Greece for two. For a I mean, he coaches fucking Iona. Like, yeah. It's like whatever. Probably coaches with his like eyes closed. He like, wakes up. He's like, oh. What coach do you think we could get on the podcast easiest? Current, like currently coaching another school. Currently coaching another school. Chris Mack. For, for some Just reason, kidding. for some reason, the the guy who sticks out the most to me is Dan Hurley. Because <laughs> he's so fucking random. Like, like just comes on, just talks a bunch of shit, shuts us down, gets off the podcast. Oh man. Oh um, man. I mean, coaching another school, Baker Dunleavy is the kind of like the easiest. That's probably the that's actually easiest, the easy answer. easiest answer, right? Like yeah. Pat Chambers, maybe, right? Like. He was coaching Florida Gulf Coast. Well, we get Pat got... Ewing. Pat Ewing, but does he count as a coach? <laughs> oh, man. We're still talking on the podcast, by the way. We've done this two podcasts oh, in a row. We're just being fucking random down this stretch. It's delirious. Oh, God. All right, All right guys. Bring it home. Well, if we ever needed a week off from Villanova basketball, it's, it's, until, it's until this Saturday when we face the Oklahoma Sooners. Brian Martin will be in attendance. I will see if I can make it. But uh, a lot going on. Um, but anyway, um, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be we'll be with you all season long here on the full forty at the full forty on Twitter at the full forty on Instagram. Follow us like Colin did, as Rachel alluded to earlier. We're also on TikTok, getting all of our information stolen by a separate country. So that's all wonderful and good. Um, you could you could listen to us on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. YouTube. Uh, so any anyway, we stick with us, stick with the program. We're here. We'll be with you all season long. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.